Derek Weekly and welcome to episode 72 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. As always, thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you very much for our guest last week, Gemma Delaney. Uh, we got to talk about true crime and uh, uh, it was a very interesting uh, subject. It, it's, you know, I suppose as a mental health uh, podcast, it's it's kind of um, kind of wobbly ground a bit, but uh, there's escapism in it too and people do enjoy the, that side of uh, you know true crime to get away from stuff and to get you know out of their own heads and that kind of came into it and Gemma was really good and if you want to listen to her it's the what's up doc podcast and she's really good and she has some really good guests on it too um if you want to subscribe to our youtube channel that would be very nice of you uh we'd really appreciate it uh i hope everybody is 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 kind of enjoying the reopening of things now i've seen so many pictures of pints of guinness and uh beaches and it's very nice, very encouraging. We've all been waiting for. It. And personally, my own thing, obviously, we talk about it every week, is getting back into the gym and uh, doing uh, whatever Martin tells me to do, basically. But it's really enjoyable, uh, you know. So it's all it's all good. But um, I'm gonna we're gonna get into this week's episode. Uh, I'm gonna introduce my guest. She is the founder of Synergy and Light, a writer and an advocate for joy. And her name is Susie Savannah Hogan. How are you, Susie? Hi, Derek. How are you? Um. I'm going to say welcome back to the to the show, because if people don't know, if people only listen to the podcast, uh, Susie was on our Live and Joyful uh, Instagram series. So we got to talk about a lot of real joyful stuff with Susie. And we're going to carry that on, that team on as we go along. Um, but I, I'm very well, actually. And how are you actually enjoying the uh, the, the reopening? Uh, yeah, no, I have been really enjoying. I've been enjoying going like out to the beach and uh, reconnecting with people in their homes, which has been really lovely. So, yeah, the shops I can I can bypass quite happily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. everything else, and, you know, just to go and sit down and have a cup of coffee with a friend is really lovely. Just the little things. And yeah. to go back to the cinema and have popcorn <laughs> and watch a movie. That's what I'm really waiting for. I uh, I saw some photos. I think it was probably a few weeks back that you put up um, when I think it was probably when we got to go out with the counties and the beach photographs that you took. And I know that that uh, you do harness kind of energy like that and you're very joyful and all those kind of things. And those are the kind of photos I like to see when people are kind of getting back into things that they really enjoy doing and being able to be free as it is, you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Once I once that joy starts to bubble up in me, I really feel like I have to I have to move. I have to embrace it. And there were uh, two other friends with me, and we just suddenly ended up with this really impromptu photo shoot, and we had so much fun. The three of us were just roaring, laughing at the end, and it was hilarious just to be jumping. I think they're the ones where we were jumping. Yeah, a, a lot. yeah, yeah. It was really amazing. Um, to just tap into that very innocent energy of like, you know what, I'm going to jump off this really high ledge. It doesn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the freedom of it is it is great, yeah. you know. So um, let's get into it. So Susie, could you give us a, a short history of your upbringing, please? Yeah. So I was born and reared in Australia. I grew up in Brisbane in the subtropics. So uh, my whole childhood would have been spent mostly outdoors all year round. Uh, you know, either at the beach in the forest, uh, rainforest, trails, rivers, just always, we were always booted out the door if the weather was nice, just there was no staying inside. And I spent most of my childhood barefoot or upside down. Mm. So that would be my distinctly fondest memories. I, there was at least 70% of my childhood was upside down, I think. Um, and it was it was really quite uh, a magical 
uh, upbringing. Now, the heat, I, I, unless I'm at the beach, I wouldn't be a mad fan of all that heat because everyone's like, what are you doing in Ireland? It's like, oh, it's, the temperature's okay here. Yeah. So, um, but I just, I, it's funny, I was having that conversation with somebody, sorry to di- digress just a tiny bit there, but about bare feet and how that's the one thing I've really missed moving to Ireland is having bare feet more often than mm. not. So I've really spent the last year trying to, not be so precious about my feet and really go barefoot as much as possible because it's a really way, wonderful way to connect with the earth. So, yeah, and then I, I left um, Brisbane and went to Perth and uh, began the first of my degrees because I'm, I'm a serial uh, degreeer, if that's I just, sure. I always said from the age of about 15, if I won the lotto, I'd just get degrees for the rest of my life because yeah. um, they really, they, they bring me joy, I mm. guess. I'm a very strange creature. And um, and then from Perth, I went and moved to Bali and I lived in a resort that uh, was in the jungle, but where the jungle met the sea. So that was quite amazing because there were days where I could like have to put all my clothes on my head and swim across the river to go to work or, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was a really amazing experience. And then I took myself off to the Himalayas for a month and then I went to the States and then I ended up in Ireland. So that that's a brief history of my life. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I suppose the only way it was, you could sum it up was going to be brief or uh, novel length, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's it. Brief or novel length is exactly right. Um, I find that interesting. I, I'm not sure if it was you that we talked about that before. Um, I can't remember if it was you or I might've talked to a couple of people about the idea of the feet on the earth um and the 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 grounding uh, idea and people do it over here in the mornings and i suppose when people see it in the frosty mornings i was like oh what are you doing that for but uh, that's something to that has a meaning to you it does and there's science behind it because i mean we're electromagnetic beings our our so I'm studying yoga nidra at the moment, which is a type of conscious sleeping. And we're, we're studying the science of the heart and the biggest electromagnetic field in the body is your heart. It, it expands about eight feet out uh, uh, around us. So out to the sides and above us. And so you need to earth an electromagnetic mm. field. And that's what the earth does for us. We're literally earthing ourselves when we go and put our feet to our hands. Very Sometimes I do find I actually have to bring the hands and the forehead to the earth as well. And just it brings me such a sense of like, I've, I'm here. I am here. I am back in the present moment. And it, it really seems to bring my body and my mind and I guess my spirit back into alignment. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, like, it's something I have to try because, I, and I know I said it because I talk to someone once a week and it's all, they're all wonderful kind of ideas and different things that they do. It's hard to kind of, remember to try everything but it's definitely something that i should give a go especially in the summer it's easier and um, but we'll see we'll see how i get on with the summer because i'm, I'm, I'm those socks and shoes and run out the door just go for it yeah and, it's because there's other ideas of, of wild swimming and stuff that i want to do along the line so it's like uh, i try to yeah. write out a schedule basically of yeah. all those things but uh we'll see how it goes but so Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a podcast where I take you swimming out in Lockerie. Hey, yeah, exactly. Bring a video camera. Oh, well, we got yeah. phones, have we? We've got yeah, phones. We've that's gone. it. We'll get you swimming. Yeah, as long as I'm wearing a, a uh, one of those full costume things, I'll be fine. Um, so, when did you first become aware of mental health? 
Well, this is, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'd say, uh, and this is where I'm going to be very uh, open and vulnerable here, probably observing from a very small age the alcoholism in my family. Okay. Uh, I really saw a link with these emotional outbursts and, and like almost these unstable mental states. Um, I, I would have watched a lot as a child. I was a, a keen watcher of mm. people. And then... Uh, I really started to sort of understand it a little bit further because I'm also the granddaughter of uh, post-World War II immigrant grandparents who suffered quite bad PTSD. I had a grandmother in Hamburg who were, really went through some horrors. I'll hopefully write her story one day because it's, it's really something else. And my grandfather, who ended up in a concentration camp, um, he was Polish, and so they 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 came to Australia with a lot of PTSD and that that informed their behaviors and the way they interacted with the world. And it, my grandmother was um, agoraphobic, so she was terrified to go out the door. And I remember at about nine years of age, her going into counseling. And then as part of her, her therapy, she had to start counseling people and she would bring me and my sister along. So we would be like, say, nine and seven and so I would sit and watch her with this gentleness and this listening, just listening to people talk about what was going on in their minds and their hearts. And I think that's something that I must have absorbed because it's definitely something I, I do with people as a teacher. When people come to me on the mats, when friends come to me, I, I hold space. And I definitely think that's something I picked up from my grandmother. And then as I got older, uh, it was about really hit home to me when I was about 16 we had an amazing physical education class in high school and we had to do a unit on the psychology behind anorexia and bulimia and I was severely bulimic at the time like very badly so um to the point where I was actually bringing up blood it was it was quite bad and that diving into the psychology behind the the like the mental health aspect and the psychology behind why eating disorders uh, evolve really gave me the courage to step out of that space mm. and to to go and find help to go and make different choices in my life so I think that's the first time I really understood the power of embracing I guess like a mental health condition and making a choice towards something that was empowering for me um I recorded an episode today earlier on and it's going to be out next week. That's probably confusing in a way to the listener, but we'll say it's out Wednesday week. So, um, and we had a documentary filmmaker on, they were talking about that eating disorders and stuff. And I, I kind of mentioned about when I had someone on Ona, uh, always her name and she had an eating disorder and I didn't understand what it was, uh, how deep it goes. I, in in a on the very much the surface level of it that somebody didn't want to eat because they wanted to look thin that was my you know yeah. my thought uh, and then when I had Ona on and she kind of filled me in on the psychology and how deep it goes I was kind of like thrown when it's somebody who's experienced it you know talking to you and telling you about it and then I realized kind of going along from there how little I know about so many mental illness mental health illnesses or I that I need to kind of read up and listen to people, talk to more people, and figure out uh, where they were uh, coming from with it and things like that. So it's I'm always kind of humbled by that kind of, uh, especially as people 
are so young when it happens to them when they're you know in teenagers uh, in school it's it's so it's you know I, i'm still i'm learning as as everybody is as we go along but i just want to be more conscious of it i suppose um so when, when we're talking about juices you obviously i um first came across you with your synergy and light page actually that, that was the first time i saw you and um wh- when did that start and what was the idea behind it Synergy and Light actually began as a theatre project working with the youth in Brawny. Uh, so we had a dancer and myself as a theatre practitioner and we were working with the, the kids up in Brawny Estate to craft a really powerful piece of theatre um, and dance and song. And we Synergy and Light came about because we really found there was a wonderful synergy and, and a bringing of light to, to the group. Um, and we ended up working for the next, say, I think nearly four years with them. It ended up de- developing into a community project. That would have been what I would have sort of came to Ireland and done. I would have developed um, community through the arts. And so I would go to different uh, what would be classed as socially disadvantaged areas and develop arts projects. And a lot of them would stick and stay. And I, I could be in the community for up to seven years sometimes just still working and working with the youth Um and that's where Synergy and Light came from. But I remember when we came up with the name, my friend Janine and I, I remember thinking at the time that this is going to one day, it's going to morph into something else. I know it'll still keep that theme where we create synergy, whether it's with the mind, body, spirit complex or, or with people and that bringing of light uh, through communication, through expression through joy through the the heart connection and love because I've really gotten been diving deep into the the way love is expressed in the world and and the giving and receiving of it as well and uh so that's sort of where synergy and light came from so it did it did sort of morph it morphed into this beautiful I don't know it's like a lotus flower that holds all of these wonderful things in it and when the lotus flower opens you see all these different petals that have these different iterations and meanings so yeah Yeah, like I love the idea of you looking into love and how it's you know shared uh, around the world um you uh, a few weeks ago I had I had put up a, a post um uh, about the podcast, you know, just uh, whether it was just who was coming up next or whatever it might have been. And you put up underneath it. It's such a beautiful kind of compliment to me, you know. And it was very, very touching. I was generally, I was, uh, uh, genuinely moved by it. And I, and I it got me kind of thinking, I, I kind of, how often do we do that, you know? I think, like, my mom gives me compliments all the time. And they're lovely. And I appreciate them. But when it comes from someone outside of your immediate family, family will say it kind of throws you off a little, like not necessarily in a bad way. It just feels kind of weird. You know, it's kind of but it's really, really nice and a positive thing to do. Have you always been like that or has your mindset towards that changed? It really changed for me when my grandfather died when I was 17 and I had been like I'd gone through a phase where uh you know, I found him sort of clingy and I was like a teenager and I was like, oh, grandpa, get off me. And then he died sort of suddenly. And my only regret was I hadn't told him more what he meant to me. And I made a choice then that I would not walk through life, no matter, like, say I have a massive fight with somebody, doesn't matter. I will tell you at the end of it, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry we don't see eye to eye. I love you. And I walk away because, you know, you can't, I feel that leaving things unsaid 
you know, what's the point of saying all of this at someone's eulogy yeah. when you can say it to them now? You know, what? and Tuesdays at Mari was another book that really changed my my view at that. This idea that let's have a party for your life and your mm. living, celebrate the people in it rather than you know wait till they're gone. I just it never made sense to me. Yeah, it's you're right, and but what what since you paid me that compliment, I've been trying to think how can I start doing that you know um without certain i think i'm okay you know being nice to people and things like that but but just dropping in those nice little compliments i need to figure out what is it in me that stops me doing it is there a little bit of embarrassment or yeah you see that beautiful beautiful mind of yours you need to just bring it down into the heart and allow like the other beautiful thing about the heart, the heart is so complex as a nervous system. It's actually classed as a mini brain and it has as much vital function in our thought processes as our mind does. It's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation Mm. there. And I find the more I bring my mind into my heart and I let it guide me, the, 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 the happier I am. And yes, it does come across to some people as (laughs) like i i won't lie i get quite a bit Susie, you are as mad as a brush mm. i said well maybe but maybe i'm not because i'm also yeah. one of the most grounded people i know i'm very very earthy i'm very much i'm i'm the person you want if you've got a problem or a disaster because i'm a fixer i will go in and there's an extremely logical mind here and i will pull it apart and i will put it back for you yeah so do you know that is what I do? That is what I do in my workshops with people. That is what I do in my yoga practice with those that come to the mats with me. That is what I do as a writer. That is what I do as as a person going inward and learning about themselves. It's about teasing open everything and then creating this beautiful, I guess, that synergy and light mm. again. But yeah. again, taking that mind into the heart and letting the heart express. Yeah, I think you're onto something because I, it's not that. I think that we're all so, uh, you know, none of us are used to it. So when when that when it happens, it's when someone gets a, receives a compliment, you know, and the, it kind of you're kind of stunned for a second because you're like, what is, is there something going on? Is, is this, you know, yeah, the mind automatically is cynical about these things because we're not used to them. And I think that kind of cynicism is just, uh, and I'm not going to say it's an Irish thing because it's certainly not. It's it's a it's a kind of a worldwide thing where it's not just. Uh, a compliment is is given and it's received at the same way it was given, if you know what I mean. Yours is given in, in genuine, uh, you know, uh, thoughtfulness. And the person who's received it is kind of a bit freaked out because they don't know why are these compliments come, you know, it's it's a, it's a weird thing. I just wanted to bring it up because I want people to, who are listening, maybe they can kind of understand where I come from and have had the same experience when they've received a compliment and they're kind of like feeling a bit, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, I was genuinely moved by it, though. And I think I've improved and moved on in the last few years myself. And I think I've been able to take that compliment to go, well, that's a really nice, sweet thing that would make my day, you know. And I think yeah. that's a, a good way. And when you talk about the synergy and light thing, it kind of it, it, it makes sense in what you're doing and what you and how you are as a, as a person, you know. Um, but so. I wanted to talk because we're going to get back into joy and things like that. But I quickly want to talk because it's of a lot of interest to me about you being a writer. Because when when the moment of creativity strikes, you know, uh, or does it strike? Do you sit down? 
in order to write or does are you walking around and go oh I've, I've written a idea and then you sit down no, I, the best way to explain me is i'm like the river shannon whoosh okay <laughs> just it just flows and yes i might go through phases where nothing comes and i've learned not to be pressured by that i had a very unique experience of writer's block for the first time in my life uh, last month because i was so filled with love and joy and the chapter where i was writing was really quite evil and dark okay. i actually couldn't write it i was like i don't actually know where to tap into this at the moment because i'm so in this wonderful space of joy and love that i actually don't want to go into yeah. this character's mind and i had to find a place where i could insert myself into the writing but not lose this feeling yeah. that i had so why um this is the kind of thing for me it's just to take on a trilogy, you're writing a trilogy, is that right? Uh, well, let's say it's a trilogy, but it could end up seven books at oh, this stage. That's, that's even <laughs> crazier. But it's, it's the, it's the, it's, uh, what is it, the Atlantis Legacy? Yeah. Well, I yeah. said trilogy again, but the Atlantis Legacy. let's call it a trilogy for now. Yeah, okay, it's that's easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, so is, what, what is it about? Okay, what it's about. So, first of all, I do write under a pseudonym of mm -hmm. S.V. Wolf. Yeah. Um, which is, there's a story behind that name, but I go into that in my author's notes. So you'll have to read the book to find out the story behind that name. Sure. And uh, so what I look at, I was, I was, where they began was this idea that I, I I'm an archaeologist, I have like degrees in archaeology as well. And I'm a keen, um, I'm a keen studier of mythology and myth. And it really struck me there were these threads amongst the really old, old myths of the, the world, like the Sumerian and Babylonian myths, and even a lot of the Irish myths, that you have these really unusual, and, and it's the older myths where you see this, these beings with powers. Mm. And then when you go back and you look at Atlantis, and there were these, you know, these embodied, you know, people with powers, and I thought, gosh, what, what if Atlantis was actually real? And in that sinking, there was a displaced peoples that had to go places. And when they went into these communities, they appeared as gods and humans with supernatural skills. And then they're still, their legacies are still alive among us here and now. And that's where, where the idea came from. So there's a lot of, say, at the moment, the first book sort of set primarily in Ireland. So there's a lot of Irish mythology characters written in there's certain aspects in the landscape written in and weaving all the way back to Atlantis um and you know with this obsession a little bit with with conspiracy theories going on so I decided to throw a bit of that in there as well and you know we explore the reptilians and <laughs> you know all these agendas that coalesce and things like that so yeah, it's it's like Da Vinci Code meets Lord of the Rings sort of thing. <laughs> it's you know, it's funny. Well, I, I I haven't read the Da Vinci Code, I'll be honest, but I have read Lord of the Rings, and you know, uh, obviously, um, you, I know about your book project, and I was I, I knew some of it was set in Athlone. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It is. So yeah, well, I was reading about I was reading up about it, and it's one thing writing fiction you know uh where you're you know maybe basing it on a family uh, you know affair or whatever it might be um but it's another thing creating worlds you know uh and like history and like you say archaeology and all these things go into it how much um research are you doing how much of it is top of your head stuff a lot of it is top of my head because i've got quite a uh fantastic recall for things okay. and then if i'm not 100 percent sure like even though i say may recall something and i'm not 100 percent sure 
if it's 100% correct, I also know where to find the book to, yeah. like, I don't know if you can see behind me, I've got floor-to-ceiling bookshelf mm. here. There's another floor-to-ceiling bookshelf there. There's one down the end of the hallway. My bedroom's full of books. My front room's full of books. But yet I can always find the information as soon as I need it. I, I seem to have a an ability to just go. And so I always know uh, where to go and look if I haven't got that 100% perfect recall. And But the nice thing is, is when I'm writing something that that's, based on fantasy as well as, as I can play, I can play a little bit with the facts. I can bend mm. them to suit the reality I'm shaping and creating. So. Yeah. When I was writing short stories, I, I was so, um, I was setting them in States in America, but the certain ones I hadn't been to, I was looking up like the topography and stuff like that. Cause I wanted to get it just right. And oh. then I think of people writing, you know, uh, creating worlds i'm like i can't imagine the amount of you know stress that goes into it um and that's just on my i'm only based on my own uh little bit of writing i did and obviously i didn't do any fantasy fiction writing so i i don't really know but it just seems like oh god there's so much but um you obviously uh, enjoy it though ah uh, yeah no i do I'm, I'm i'm quite prolific it's 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 uh a lot harder for me to write something short than it is to write tomes <laughs> okay we're the opposite. I, like <laughs> so hard. I really struggle. I do challenge myself to a short story every so often. And I find crafting posts for Instagram mm. and Facebook are really good because they really challenge me to get a lot of information into yeah. a really short word count. Um, you know, say when I was doing my master's, that was, again, challenging. Like 20,000 words nearly killed me. I could have written 200,000 words. Yeah. So it was just like. Self-editing is is obviously very important. It but, is uh, a skill. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is a skill. So we talk about we're going to talk about joy because joy is is such an important thing for you. And yeah. and look, it should be in, as important for everybody. But I suppose uh, myself included, we're not looking in in the right places. Maybe you know, and we're not allowing it kind of in. Um, when did you kind of see it? Like as this, I suppose it's kind of a way of life. You know. Yeah, really, I was thinking about that. Um, it really began in my childhood when I started cultivating an awareness of the things that brought me joy. So sometimes it could be like the brightness of a flower or my grandfather used to grow lemongrass and he used to go and he used to rub it into his hands and I'd smell it. So my joy is very much linked to the sensory world. It, it, it's something that like the, it could be the sun on my face on a like if the sun had come out today, oh, look, I would have been joyfully absorbing those rays. Um, uh, like the grass on my feet or the sound of the waves or uh, a smile that was unexpected from somebody can bring me joy or just a gesture. Like it, it's, it was cultivating an awareness. That's, that's the best way I can explain it. And those little points of awareness all coalesce to become a North Star, like a giant North Star that always just leads me home because that feeling is so embodied in me. And I go back, I've been using this word embodiment a lot. It's where we take that som somatic experience of what we're feeling and we bring it into ourselves and we embed it in our physical form. And we do that very easily and naturally with our negative emotions. But mm. for some reason, we find it harder with our positive emotions so, it, again, I really cultivate a practice of joyful awareness. Uh, it could be the dogs suddenly being, like I do call my two dogs the happiest dogs in Ireland because every single day, I mean, all they do is remind me to be joyful. Um, just little things that that could 
oh, there's just so many things mm. like the wind. Sometimes a really windy day brings me joy, and I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> well, this is this is maybe the where some of us aren't quite getting it that there is joy, a lot of joy in in the smallest things, and uh, we're reaching or looking for these really large. Uh, things that may not give us joy at all you know uh, you know it's all about money people are chasing down money people are chasing yeah. down, you know there's a lot of uh, materialistic stuff where the stuff you're talking about you can literally go outside your door and and find it that's it and like and it's that like it's the innocence of of, of your inner child mm. allowing that to come out and play because I never really lost that sense of innocence and wonderment with the world. It, it's like, I mean, I don't mind saying this. I mean, I'm 49 this year and I'm a still a bigger child as I was when I was like eight, like really, maybe when I'm really mature and having a really mature day, 12, who knows. Yeah, okay. um, but, you know, I never lost that deep sense of innocence. And that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm naive or or I'm like, prone to being victimized Mm. no there's an innocence that's very empowered because i'm very aware of this beautiful it's almost melodious state of being where i can tap into the world and flow in and out like i know i'm it's just it's what it feels like this wonderful ebb and flow where i can move in and out and again i just keep going back to well how does it feel in my body well actually that feels really amazing so i'm going to store that in my my filing cabinet of joy in my mind and I can open that filing cabinet anytime I want and pull it out and remember actually yeah you know what it's okay Mm. and I heard this amazing quote today um there's a video going around Facebook at the moment of this uh America's Got Talent uh woman she's stage four cancer and she sings this song that she she wrote herself and it's so authentic and beautiful. And at the end, and I mean, she's only got a 2% chance of survival and she's so filled with happiness. And she says, you don't have to wait for the hard things to end to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me as that sums up really how I live. You don't have to wait for the hard things to end to be happy. If you have the courage to look, you can find happiness even within the hard mm-hmm. things. And I, I, I think that is something I also cultivated because it's what gave me my inner resilience mm. uh, through all the trauma growing up. And that's something I come back to time and time and time and time again, that inner resilience that I have. Because I was asked recently, who's the strongest person you know? And I honestly can say it's me. Mm. I am the strongest person I know because I know what I've been through. I know what I've had to overcome and I know that time and time again, the two things that bring me home are my inner resilience and my ability to tap into joy. And how, you know, because we, we, we speak, before, I always speak to the guests coming on before this, now, uh, same uh, goes for you, Susie. So how does that resilience and that kind of joy work off each other? That's a really interesting question. Um, I guess from connecting with those moments and realizing that they are like a star that can lead you out of darkness. It helps that resilience helps you realize, well, actually one step at a time, I can walk my way out of this, this hard time because nothing lasts forever. As sure as the seasons change, this will too change. And so long as I keep walking in a direction towards where I need to go, I will get there. I will get there no matter what. So I need to cultivate those moments of happiness, those moments of joy 
even if some days, and yes, I am joyful, but I do, I get days that are really hard and tough and where I don't want to smile, I don't want to be happy. So I sit in that space where I'm not happy. And then the strangest thing could bring me joy, like the strangest thing. It could be, you know, a, a puppy doing something funny that suddenly pops up in the news feed and I'm like, oh, actually, <laughs> okay, that's brought me out of my body. Yeah. I'm okay now. Um, and just learning that sense of resilience and understanding that every hard thing I've been through, I'm not a victim of, it's been an opportunity for me to learn and grow. I'm actually reading an amazing book at the moment um, uh, by the daughter of Bruce Lee, which is called Be Water, My Friend. And she really goes into this idea of cultivating that, that inner resilience where you're able to ebb and flow with life and not take personally the things that happen to you. And believe you me, I know I've not gone deep into my own story here. I don't say that lightly. Mm. Those, my personal friends that know me, know that there's a lot of trauma in my life. I have been through a lot. I have walked through fire and here I am mm. still able to smile, still able to be joyful, still able to be um, embodied loving heart to anyone that, that comes to me and what I've really been learning to do now in the next stage of my resi resilience is to receive love because mm. I'm a great giver of love. I'm a little bit harder for me to receive it. Mm. So, yeah, yeah I, I get, I get that. And I, the thing about resilience for me, um, I thought I didn't have any at all. And then, you know, when I started my mental health started to, to go down and suffer, um, I really then was like, well, you know, what, how do I get back? Like, where do I get back? I don't have, I'm not resilient enough for it. And as you, as I'm, as the years go by, as the, the last few years have gone by and it's been kind of to get to where I am now, we'll say, you look back and you go, well, there was a lot more resilience there than I gave myself credit for. Um, and I, and I wonder if that's the same for a lot of people that they don't see that resilience. Um, it, there's an interesting thing you mentioned there about sitting uh, and not, you know, sitting in the sadness or whatever the, 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 it might be. And you, you're kind of almost not allowing yourself to kind of smile or give, give, be joyful in that moment. And sometimes I think that's all right. You know, that, that you can do that. It's very important uh, to not, because we, we act all the time in front of other people. If I'm feeling particularly down, I can go, I'm a very, very good actor now, you know, with all this practice that I can go and act that everything is fine. But, it's it's you can sit at home and feel bad and, you know, have a have a tough day as long as it's not encroaching on the next day and the next day and the next day. It's moving forward. And what you mentioned about joy is the is the important part of joy and be connected with it is that you do give yourself that break to just feel that joy coming back in instead of getting stuck in a rut, because I think that's the, the real danger, isn't it? It is a danger because it's very easy to, like our minds are more powerful than we can possibly imagine for, for negative or positive. And it's very easy to get stuck in, in a mind speak. That's why I really say bring your mind into your heart. Your heart will lead you. And as you learn to, to polish that heart and, and keep it as strong and pure as possible, it doesn't lead you astray. It might lead you on an interesting adventure, mm. but it doesn't really lead you astray. And I find that and, and acknowledging what you've been through is really important, acknowledging your triumphs, acknowledging what you have achieved, good, bad, ugly, amazing. We have to embrace our shadow as much as we embrace our light. And that's sort of 
part of what synergy is about because I know I I would definitely have the, these spaces that I go into that can be very introspective and very sad and sometimes an old trauma will come up and I can feel that victim wanting to take control but instead of pushing them away or letting them have control and meet them and meet them somewhere in the middle and we witness what's going on together mm. and and that's part of what I think a practice of people cultivating this idea that I'm not going to be afraid of my pain. I'm not going to be afraid of what's coming up for me, what's being triggered in the moment. I'm going to breathe and I'm going to be courageous mm. and I'm going to look at it. And, and that's, again, that's part of what I really uh, do with my yoga nidra practice. So yoga nidra, again, is the practice of conscious sleeping. It's like a yogic sleep. It sends you into Delta and Theta, brainwaves where we have regeneration dreaming and healing but it allows you to consciously witness them because that's the space where uh, I like to say miracles occur where we can repattern and reprogram the hemispheres of the brain and the nervous system so the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system get time out because when you're stuck in fight or flight it's very difficult to remove yourself from a stress response to the world I always call it the perceiving and receiving effect so we will perceive and receive the world based on our fight or flight and where it is. It's like, it's like a speedometer in the car. Where it is on the speedometer of you will be determined how you understand the world. So if your fight or flight is at 150 kilometers an hour, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to have trouble really cognitively receiving what's coming to you and understanding it and perceiving it in a way that's helpful for you. Whereas if you can dial it back down, take a deep breath, reground, bring yourself into mindfulness, move the mind down into the heart or the stomach, or sometimes I tap, I find tapping really powerful. I'll often tap here or I'll tap the solar plexus. It just helps bring me back into my body, brings the fight or flight response back down in into a, a place where it's manageable. And then I can relook at what I'm seeing in front mm. of me and reassess. And I would highly encourage people to to really sort of again, I use the word cultivate, cultivate the practice of that mindfulness where you bring yourself into the body because we throw our minds out there. Mm. Oh my God, I'm going out there. What's going on? Wow, wow, wow. I need to fix this. Do I need to fix this? Holy crap. Oh my God, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get I and how like yoga must be the great leveler then for you, is it? Very much so. It, yeah. It's been a thread that's woven through my life since I was about eleven years old. It was when I first discovered yoga, and it's definitely been a thread that's come back in different ways to heal different things. It was a therapy I used to heal my back uh, from a very severe back injury, to heal my ankle from again like a very severe injury. Uh, it's healing all sorts of different things going on in my body uh, as I'm moving into menopause. And this will be a series I'm hopefully going to start doing soon. I have found it really powerful to stop the symptoms of menopause, to bring my body's endocrine system into a state of balance, uh, the nervous system into a state of balance. And so it's really something that I'm enjoying. And I don't think you'll hear any woman in Ireland say <laughs> enjoying the menopause. I am enjoying this journey of discovery because I am in accordance and understanding of my body's wants and needs. I have calmed down this, this 
temple that is that I am inhabiting as a spirit and I'm enjoying this journey into the next phase of my life. So, yeah, yeah. and so yoga has really informed that. I do a lot of breath work. I do a lot of meditation. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm like six hours a day doing this. Mm. Some days I only get 15 minutes. That's it. It's the only, that's the only time I have and it's enough. Mm. Um, with with joy and and you know resilience and mindfulness and stuff, and I know you have uh, children as well. How do you go about passing that kind of knowledge on? I guess uh, I really I'm a great believer as a parent to lead by example. Walk mm. your talk. Don't send conflicting messages to your children, and don't also be afraid to turn around and hold your hand up when you have messed up. And so the kids. And have learned over the years to, we, we, we talk, we regularly come together and we might dissemble what's going on and have a chat. And we're really good at being able to express what we need to say and then turn around and go, you know what, that was actually quite funny. Or I'm really annoyed at you. Or mum, you're hilarious when you're angry. And so, you know, and just really allowing them the space to be their own people and to just keep gently bringing their, their vision back to joy. So I take them out into the land. Like they're the the youngest is fifteen, going on sixteen. The oldest is twenty two. So the twenty two year old is really or almost twenty two is on their own journey. Um, whereas the the fifteen, almost sixteen year old, it really is about us. We like we'll go out and connect in the garden. We go kayaking together, and it's about me meeting him in his world as much as my world. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it, actually. Um, I don't know how often it's done in that way, which is good. It's good to uh, approach both worlds as it is, you know, yeah. you and and your son. So um, I also want to talk to you because because of the, the joy and uh, like what a what a really like kind of great spirit you have about you. Um, is there any kind of cynicism about it uh, from other people you mentioned earlier about people your friends kind of saying like you know when you say a couple of things they might be kind of wondering what's going on but is there kind of a cynicism because i don't know irish people are quite cynical um i don't know yeah yeah i do i get met with cynicism i i definitely can think of one friend at the moment uh who you know i i think doesn't necessarily trust the the joyous space i come mm. from but at least praise the lord that they, they are curious which is good and stay open and curious um and which that's all that's all we need to do because i am who i am i make no mm. apologies i do no harm i walk through life with a loving heart and a graceful spirit so uh there is and that that's a that's a huge thing for me to to, to actually i don't know if even a year ago i could have very calmly just said i am who i am yeah this is it. so exactly. yeah and yeah i do i do get <laughs> cynicism and like oh jesus she's a bit crazy yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. And who's your one? Um, but yeah, I, but that said, because I'm Australian and foreign, I do get away with a little bit more. And because I have that theatre background, people would mm. expect me to be a little bit sort of more vivacious and outgoing anyway. Um, which, I mean, as you were saying before, that's a lot of that's just an act. Who I really am in, in person is quite calm, quite peaceful, quite intelligent well able to just break into a belly laugh because something has completely and utterly undone me in the moment. 
and just as easily could turn around and start bawling, crying. You know, I've got to be careful what movies I watch. Like, she's bridesmaids made me ball crying oh, wow so, yeah oh yeah he's just out of nowhere my poor friend she was like what the hell is wrong with you we were in the cinema so just but this is terrible look how women treat each other oh really <laughs> but yeah but and look it's a it's a really refreshing way of of dealing with that kind of stuff and i just want to ask you what was the the kind of course you completed there a couple of weeks ago, was that to do with yoga as well? I think you were dressed in a kind of a... a, a... Oh, yeah, that was a hula. I did a hula workshop. It was amazing. And it really looked at the spirituality behind dance mm. and this idea that dance is this spiritual expression. So it was dance and song together. So we had to learn this song and, and dance the story as well. And I love this idea that the story had a way of expressing itself through dance and mm. funny enough I had actually done that um with my my first novel years ago in its rough draft I had gotten a musician to create a piece of music and with my Freuger group we created a beautiful piece of contemporary dance that was based on the first I think four chapters of the book and mm. this journey into good and evil so and I like this idea of this synergy again we go back to synergy of dance and song and storytelling um but there's always this beautiful deeply spiritual embodied element to it mm. so yeah yoga is like that that's yeah. why i love yoga so it's just i i noticed in the photo that you, you looked really really happy you know you know you can see it in the photo and I see it in a photo that someone looks really happy that they're doing it and it so it kind of stood out i thought oh, that looks good and it just I don't know why I thought yoga. Maybe it was just the, the colors, maybe. or there was. Oh, well, it was hard not to be happy with all the colors and the flowers yeah. as well. And, and it was really quite interesting uh, to sit in a community of women where we're, like, making flower wreaths and talking and singing together. There was something very powerful and, and ancient about that where we're not trying to cultivate a spiritual circle or or a moon offering no we were there in community and celebrating together which was really really lovely just yeah. celebrate life and stories and dance yeah it's 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 um what i love about that actually really is that clearly you're someone who tries new things you know yeah. and i think a lot of people don't i think they find uh, um a rut isn't the correct word because I don't mean it to sound kind of negative, you know, because some people really enjoy what they do, but we kind of don't step outside the boundaries. And I think I'm one of those people that is very much in a routine led, uh, you know, life, but, you know, partly to do with anxiety and things like that. But I would like to try kind of more things like that. So that's why I'm talking about um open water swimming and uh, you know all these things like going out in the grass and your feet and just to try different things because you know if we don't even give them a go if we're not even curious enough to give them a go um are we just going to do the same things over and over again and that like i know you will i, I don't want to put words in your mouth but it's kind of like that's not what life is about it's about enjoying and and kind of spreading your wings a bit it is, it is. And it's always about staying curious. I think if you stay curious, you life flows to you just as much as you flow to it. And I know my curiosity is definitely something that it's what inspires me. Like say in my yoga practice at the moment, I have reached a point in my, my handstand and my arm balances where 
I'm now starting to try and cultivate more control. So it's almost like gymnastics type mm. of, of handstands and elbow stands and really pushing my body in a, in a different way. But just being curious about that journey rather than focusing on, well, gosh, Susie, you're like nearly 49. What are you doing handstands for? Yeah. You, you've got an injury in your neck, so you better be careful. I'm not thinking about any of that. I, it is in the back of my mm. head to remind me to be mindful, but the journey towards understanding, say, how my body is responding to this process. It's like when I did the backbending journey and I was doing uh, 15 push-ups in a backbend. Like mm. When I got to that point and I could hit 20 push-ups in, in a in a back bend, I was like, yes, it's yeah. like amazing because that's hard. Like that's hard. I can. I remember you were doing the, was it a hundred like salutations? Oh yeah. The sun salutations. Yeah. Before every day. And on the last day we did 108. That was life changing. I I'm, I'm actually uh, piloting a yoga boot camp that will in, involve some of that um, because I really found it quite powerful to not only build my cardio, but it built my strength and, created flexibility in the body mm. uh, simultaneously and I'm a great believer that don't build strength unless you build flexibility as mm. well because they, they work together and if you don't have both you can cause damage in the body um, and I really work like deeply with people's anatomies in order to create an optimum state of say health wellness and physical fitness as well so I'm noticing because I do that type of it's almost like a very cardio based yoga i I have a great level of physical fitness. Mm. So, yeah. I uh, would well, 100% concur with the idea of strength and flexibility. I see, um, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I see a lot of lads come in who are very, very strong lads, you know, and they come onto the mats and they're, they're, um, they're starting out and they realize that, you know, the strength is, is great and all that, you know, but there's lads there that are so flexible that you can't get near them because they're doing all sorts of different things to get out of, and then it's funny, all these strong lads then go back into stretching and trying to work out that kind of get towards some sort of flexibility. And like you say, it's brilliant to have the strength coming in, obviously, but uh, they work so uh, so much together in, yeah. in the sport I do anyway, and I suppose in everything. Um, so we, it's funny, we, we've, we've talked about so much uh, stuff that you do. Uh, it, the, the question about what you like to do in your spare time almost seems redundant at this point. <laughs> That can vary. Um, so I, I do do a lot of kayaking. I'll probably start back swimming okay. again soon, like in the lake and stuff and, you know, reading and drawing. I, I wouldn't be an idle person. I've gotten right into vegan cooking at the moment and really experimenting with vegan desserts, which are amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, they're so good. You don't have to feel guilty at all eating them. It's amazing because I wouldn't be great with sugar. And what I like about mm. vegan desserts is they're often all, like very low sugar. And yet there's that, that wonderful sweet kick that I need. Um, uh, so I've been really doing a lot of that and got, I've really gotten back into music actually. Um, Cause when the, the pandemic hit last year, I, I actually put down my guitar, didn't pick it up again. <laughs> Don't know why it was like mm. it was like American Pie. It's the day the music died. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I've gotten back in into doing that and and finding music that really moves me to sing. Uh, so yeah, there's there's always something going on in my yeah. spare time and yoga. There's always yoga and a bit of meditation. Yeah. So yeah. Um, where are you? Where do you feel most at peace? Oh, probably at the beach. Mm. 
I don't know, there's something, like I say when I go out to Renvoil, that's one of my favourite places, there's just something about the colour of the ocean out there. Mm. Anywhere near water, I'm I'm definitely happy. And here in this room is a great, like anyone that walks into this sacred space of this living room just comments within 20 minutes just how peaceful mm. they feel. And a lot of a lot of love has gone into creating a very peaceful space for people to come and walk into here and just unfold. So, yeah, I, I love that. I like. Yeah, I, I love the idea of going into you know if I'm invited to people's houses or whatever, and I go into to a room and it's it's um you know there's a couple of things I like it to be. I like it to be cozy. Obviously, that goes without saying. But but that like you say, peaceful or you know um bookish. I know you can see all the books behind you as well. And I'm I love the, I love the books. I have got books. Too many books? No, probably not too many. That's the wrong way of putting it. But a lot, <laughs> a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> you can't have too many, but. It's it's funny, you know, to to be in those kind of spaces where you realize like, oh, this is actually somewhere where I really like being. And that's, yeah. you know, to have that in your own house, obviously, is the most important thing. So, you yeah, do. it's yeah. amazing. Like yeah. out my backyard, too, is there's a lovely little area when it's sunny to sit and eat and just look at the cattle. So, yeah, yeah I like that. I love looking at cattle. I'll be honest. There's a, there's a, it's a, there's a field down the road, kind of from me going into town, and I I'd, I'd, yeah. cycle, I'd cycle past this field, and there's about thirty baby calves with one horse just in there. What's the story? Do horses? Why is there a horse in there with the? I don't know, but it's just so nice. I'm, it's so I'm, nice. Like, I've got a heap of little babies out the back at the moment. My neighbor has them there, and oh my gosh, they're my favorite. I love baby. them. I just love them. So, yeah. Um, obviously, I want to ask this question. Where, where can people find you if they want to keep up to work with the, or keep up to date with the writing and things like that? Uh, so I have two Instagram handles. So there's SB Wolf um, on Instagram. And then I also have Synergy and Light underscore Ripples. Mm. Um, and that's, that seems to be the, the best place. And I do have a website, um, www.synergyandlight.com. Um, I'm about to... Actually, I might as well announce this now. I'm about to just overhaul the website a little bit because I'll be launching Synergy and Light also as a publishing company. So I'll be launching my first author in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm finishing off the edits actually at the moment uh, for a really delightful novel that I'm going to be very proud to to put the Synergy and Light imprint on. So, yeah, yeah. So I've just sort of branched out into that. But I mean, I love writing. I mm. really just it's such a important thing. And I really like being able to give this would I would have what I would have done in my theatre practice as well. I really like being able to create situations that allow an opportunity for somebody else to shine. And I just I had a platform here that and skills that I could share. And yeah, I just went, you know what, I'm going to do this. So hopefully we'll see more beautiful pieces of uh publications coming out of synergy and light but that's that's the latest um evolution uh, of, of the work well congratulations with that um and best of luck with it it has been a, a genuine pleasure as i knew it would chatting to you today susie thank you very much for coming on oh it's a joy derek such a joy i just any time and please god we meet in person one we day. will we will yeah. well we're gonna do yeah. the podcast we're gonna do the podcast running into the ocean so um oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> stick with me for one minute until i close this out i just want to get a photo with you before you go okay perfect thank you very much okay thank you very much to john as always for his uh, work behind the scenes um to the people who make this possible my mom my dad my granddad during calvin for the for the music and the 
the logos and things like that. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all uh, the Weekly Weekly. One of them in there is wrong because they wouldn't let me use the right tag. So it's like the Weekly Weekly. I think that might be Instagram. Anyway, well, you can if you don't want to watch us talking, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and there's a couple more there as well. As always, to everybody who's listened and watched today, thank you very much. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. And uh, to Susie, thank you very much again. Namaste. Take care, everyone, and have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you next one. Bye.